invite you to take your Bibles. Turn with me for our scripture reading for our sermon text this morning. We are continuing our series through Matthew chapter 10. And today we're going to look together at Matthew 10 verses 16 through 20. Matthew 10, 16 through 20. It really is a joy to be back with you after a couple of weeks off. I thought about having Lisa play this for the special music, Ric Flair's entrance music. <laughs> and I could come in with a lot of pomp and circumstance, but we decided not to do that. We used wisdom, and we decided against that. But it really is a joy to be back with you. Well, let's read our text together for our sermon this morning. Matthew chapter 10, verses 16 through 20. This is God's holy word for us, his people, today. Jesus says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. This is God's holy word for us today. Let's ask him to bless our time in his word. Father, we do thank you for your holy scriptures, and we ask that as your scriptures, as your truth is unfolded, that you would give us light, that you would give us wisdom, that you would be our teacher, that we would be instructed and helped and comforted and encouraged by your word today so that we can be empowered and prepared to continue learning what it means to be about the kingdom mission of Jesus. Do this for us, we pray, and we'll give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we continue our series on Matthew 10, the Sermon on the Mission. Now, I'm not going to go through, I know it's been a few weeks since we've talked about this. I'm not going to go through a full review of it this morning, though. I did a very thorough review of the series so far the last time we were together. And so this is a good opportunity to encourage you to go to our YouTube page or sermonaudio.com or the app that we have. There are lots of ways to get connected and to listen to these resources more than once. And I'm going to do what all the YouTube streamers do. I'm going to say, if you like a video, please like and subscribe. <laughs> when you click like it, let somebody know. It lets Kyle know, hey, somebody liked it. You know, you know who the only person who likes our videos is? Me. <laughs> I go on every YouTube video and I click like. <laughs> and I'm tempted to comment, preach it, boy. Man. This church is great. I use my anonymous account for that. <laughs> but there's a full review of the series. It's in, it's in detail, about 10 minutes of review, the last sermon. So go find that, listen to that, and then listen to that sermon, and you'll be totally caught up. 
what we have done so far is we've started in Matthew 9.35 and we've gone now to verse 15 in chapter 10. And Jesus has been discussing with the twelve the need for the church's kingdom mission, the men for the mission, the ministry of the mission, and the method of the mission. So what we've seen so far up to verse 15 in chapter 10 is that Jesus has given a complete and concise set of directions to his 12 about the kingdom mission, what it is and how to do it. Now at this point in the discourse, in the sermon on the mission, at this point in the chapter, Jesus transitions to a different aspect of the mission. And it's an aspect that is of vital importance, both for the twelve and for the early church and for our church today. In our passage this morning, Jesus warns, Jesus warns about the danger that this mission involves. He warns about the opposition to the mission, the menace of the mission. Now, he has a lot to say in this chapter about the menace of the mission. So today we're going to look at part of it, and next week we'll listen to or we'll look at the second part of it. So today, the menace of the mission, part one. This morning, we will see the nature of the opposition, how it fits into God's plan, and the help that Jesus promises us in the midst of this opposition. And what we're going to do is we're going to see what this opposition, this danger, meant for the twelve originally in chapter 10, and then we'll draw some lessons about what it means for us today. So this is where we're going. First, Jesus begins this section with a metaphor, an extended metaphor that's based on four animals, sheep, wolves, serpents, and doves. Look at verse 16. He says, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Okay. These animals are illustrations of three qualities that he wants to teach us about. Danger, wisdom, and innocence. Danger, wisdom, and innocence. So let's look at each of these three. First of all, danger. Jesus is telling the twelve, it will be dangerous to be on this mission. He says, it's like being a sheep in the midst of wolves. And he says, I am sending you to them. I'm sending you out to be in the midst of these wolves. So, this is Jesus saying, you guys are like sheep. And I'm going to send you out to do this mission among the animal that would like to eat you. 
Wolves find sheep quite tasty. So this is a clear message. I'm sending you out into dangerous territory. I'm sending you out to do this kingdom mission among enemies. A mission amongst enemies, like sheep in the midst of wolves. When Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest, that he'll send laborers into his harvest... He here clarifies that it's not just crops out in that field. There's wolves hiding behind the corn or whatever. (laughs) There's danger lurking in the field because there are enemies to the kingdom. Jesus has enemies. The apostles had enemies. The church has enemies, those who oppose the kingdom and those who oppose the mission and the message. Not just those who reject it, but who actively oppose it. Now, who's he talking about in context here in Matthew for the original 12? He's talking about the henchman of Herod Antipas, the man who is the ruler over Galilee, the man who has John the Baptist put to death. John is beheaded. His followers are scattered. This is the man who now has heard about Jesus And what happened to John becomes a live possibility for Jesus. And so, Jesus has a strategy, and it's to send these apostles to move around so that it's very hard to find them. This is why he begins this itinerant phase of the mission, so that people are constantly on the move. Instead of being in one place down by the river like John, it's easy to find John. Just go down to the river. There he is. He's baptizing people. But here, this isn't a, you guys, I'll stay in one spot and everybody come to me. This is a, you guys stay out there and we'll come to you kind of mission. And now the disciples are on the move around Galilee, so it's very hard to find them. It's very hard to catch them. But the warning is here. There are enemies who are on the lookout for you. And so what does he say in verse 17? He says, beware. Beware of men. Beware of men because they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, for being a Christian, for being a follower of Jesus. So he tells them, you've got to be on your guard. You've got to look out. Be beware means be aware there is danger. And that leads to the second quality he mentions here. You're going to be like sheep in the midst of wolves. And so then, don't be like a sheep, be like a snake. Second quality is wisdom. Be wise as serpents. Since you're going to be out there, and since there's going to be danger, and since there's going to be opposition, and people are going to be looking for you, trying to drag you into their synagogues and take you to court, persecute you, you've got to be wise You've got to be wise in your movements. You have to use wisdom. Be wise as serpents. Now, why does he use this image? Because you should have a picture of a, of a snake who knows how to get away. He's telling you, be crafty. Be twisty. Be slippery. Sneaky. Evasive. Elusive. To get away in your movements to avoid being caught. 
Move so in a way that they can't catch you. Be smart, use wisdom, avoid being caught. Do what you have to do to avoid getting caught. You remember in Genesis 3, when the serpent is introduced, Genesis says, now the serpent was more crafty than all the other animals. And it's wisdom. The serpent had bad wisdom, temptation wisdom, craftiness. Now, Jesus, Jesus understands that I, <laughs> that I might be misunderstood if I'm telling you to be like the serpent <laughs> in, in Genesis, be crafty like the serpent that deceived Adam and Eve. And so he quickly adds the third quality, and be innocent as doves. In other words, you need to make sure you maintain the highest standards of purity, innocence, harmlessness, and virtue. You're to be elusive and crafty and try to avoid being caught, but you're not to do so in a way that's sinful. You're not to do so in a way that is questionable or lawless or harmful. You're to do so in a way that is faithful and obedient and law-abiding and virtuous and upstanding so that when they do catch you and they take you to court, they don't have any basis for the charges. No basis at all. So that's what he's telling them to do. Beware of this danger. It's out there. It's real. Be wise as a serpent. Be innocent as a dove because you're a sheep in the midst of wolves. Now, what does this teach us? What can we learn from this? Three applications. First, we also should beware and be ready to face opposition to face resistance, and even sometimes to be in danger when we go on this mission. We need to understand that the church today, not just here, not just in America, but everywhere, the church now and always has enemies. The church now as always has forces of the evil one of darkness that push back, that oppose, that attack, that resist, that want to see Jesus' kingdom fall. Because there's another kingdom that also would like to grow and expand. But they're not going to be innocent as doves. They're going to be just the opposite. They're the wolves. They're going to be as ruthless and cruel as the wolves. And I mean this spiritually, but in some places and in some contexts, physically as well. And so the church just needs to be aware that there are real enemies and that the world and the flesh and the devil don't like the kingdom and would like to see it pushed back and fail and fall and destroyed. And not just enemies, but all of us face obstacles, challenges setbacks and defeats in life and on this kingdom mission. We are not promised that we're going to be undefeated in every mission encounter. We're not promised that we're always going to be going forward and not sometimes feeling the heat and being pushed back. There's real back and forth between good and evil, 
the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. What we are promised is that the kingdom of darkness cannot prevail ultimately. We may not be undefeated in every instance. We should expect not to be. But we have the promise that the kingdom will advance and we will prevail ultimately. Lose a few battles, but win the war. Don't expect, Christian, don't expect anything different than this. And don't think that when you feel the heat or you feel the opposition or you experience a defeat or you get persecuted even and you feel the danger, you feel the wolves breathing down your neck, do not at that moment begin to think that God isn't with you and that God has abandoned you and that you've lost God's favor. You know that's not true because Jesus promised that this is the experience we'll have sometimes at least. The kingdom will come with trials. In the very next chapter, chapter 11, verse 12, Jesus says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Paul says, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom. Trouble, trials, setbacks, persecution, difficulty, it's all part of the kingdom package. It's all packed into the promise. So that we, and Jesus tells us this, beware, know that it's coming now so that when you're in the middle of it, you won't lose faith and you won't lose heart. That's the first application. Second application is we should use every effort to avoid this danger, and to, and to evade opposition, using all the wisdom we can without compromising the mission. We have to think about, we should be, in our kingdom efforts, in our ministry efforts, in our church efforts, we should also be wise as serpents. We have to be clever, crafty. We have to be wise and insightful. That means we have to plan, we have to have tactics, we need strategies so that we can do the mission in the best and most effective way and know how to avoid unduly dangerous situations. He doesn't say, I'm sending you out to go find a wolf. He just says, I'm sending you out and the wolves are out there. He doesn't say, go pet the wolf. <laughs> right? He, and so here, he's not telling us, go find where it's dangerous and get yourself hurt. Right? He's not telling us to go do that. He's telling us to be smart, to use wisdom. Now, sometimes it can't be avoided. And in those instances, Jesus has more to say later in the sermon here. But the bottom line of this application is we need to use wisdom, planning, tactics, strategy, so that we can do this kingdom mission in the best and most effective way knowing that we can't always avoid all trials, but we should plan and prepare. Third application, we must maintain the highest standards of virtue and morality and biblical fidelity. In our mission, we can never stoop to tricks and gags and gimmicks and works of the flesh to try and accomplish something of spiritual value. We cannot stoop to trickery and bribery like, you know, you'll, 
I'll put your name in a hat for a free Xbox if you come forward and pray a prayer today, which I'm not making up. That's something that's actually happened in more than one church. I'm, talk, I'm not talking about planting people in the congregation so that when I give the altar call, they come forward even though they're, right, they're, they're set. It's a setup. They come forward to make you feel more comfortable about coming forward, right? Tricks. It's Laban tricking Jacob for another seven years. We don't do that. We don't trick people. We don't bribe people. We don't use gimmicks and gags and slapstick and the means of the flesh to accomplish something of eternal and spiritual value. What you win them with is what you win them to. And if you win them with the flesh, you're winning them to the flesh. And those people don't stay. Those people aren't real converts. That's the quickest way to make a tricked hypocrite or someone who finds out it's, it's fake and now they're inoculated against the gospel and they feel burned. We have to be innocent as doves in our ministry, in our tactics, in our strategies. It's got to be biblically faithful. It's got to be morally above board so that no one can make that charge against us. Bunch of hypocrites, bunch of trickery. It's just the flesh. There's no spirit there. We're going out in the midst of wolves, so we got to be ready. we got to be prepared. we got to be armed with tactics and strategies to do this mission in the best way we know how, with God helping us, expecting trials to come, but always maintaining the highest standards of biblical innocence and fidelity. This is something that Peter learned from Jesus here and then talks about later in his ministry. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, Peter says it like this. He says, "...be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution." whether it be the, to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Then he says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. In other words, when people come and slander the church and try to bring charges against the church, against us as Christians... All we have is a record of goodness and innocence like doves so that the charges can't stick. There's nothing to them. He says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. That's what Jesus wants us to do. We're sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise like a serpent and innocent like a dove. Jesus makes a comment in verse 18 that indicates another element that is essential for us to know. The first was danger, wisdom, and innocence. And now in verse 18, Jesus makes an addition to what he's talking about to prepare the disciples and to prepare us for the mission. It's very important. Jesus says something that gives us an idea of how the opposition that we're going to face fits into God's plan. Boy, that's an important question. 
How does opposition to the kingdom fit into God's plan? Well, look at verse 18. He just said, beware of men. They're going to take you to court. They're going to flog you in synagogues. Verse 18, and you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, meaning because you're a follower of Jesus. And then the last line tells you why this is going to happen. And it says, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. Ah, whose purpose is that? Is that what the wolves want the sheep to do? Is this what the enemies want us to do? No. No, this is God's purpose for why he lets some of his followers get caught and taken to court and made to testify before rulers and governors and to suffer this kind of slander and abuse and persecution. Why? Because God wants somebody on the inside who can give the word. This is really quite amazing. They will take you to court and you will be forced to testify in your defense. But instead of testifying in your own defense, you're going to testify about Jesus. Ha! Got him. When you get called as a witness... You're going to be my witness, Jesus says. You're going to bear witness about me. You're not going to talk about your defense. Well, your honor, I'm innocent. You don't care about that. You're going to talk about Jesus. This is how God will get the kingdom message to the rulers and authorities. It's hard to just walk up to Herod's palace and knock on the door and say, Can I talk to Herod about Jesus? (laughs) No, you may not. In fact... Hands behind your back. <laughs> right? So how do you get an audience with a, with a ruler like that? You get arrested. <laughs> Amazing. You see, you know what this is? This is God being wise as a serpent. <laughs> this is God getting his people before the mightiest rulers of the land. And this is how Paul goes... To Rome, he hops from court to court and testifies before lower magistrates, higher magistrates, kings, and eventually Emperor Nero himself. This is how God gets the gospel to Rome. It's how Jesus got the gospel to Herod in Galilee. This is how God does it. He takes opposition and turns it into opportunity. Opposition means opportunity. So... Our enemies need the gospel too. Those wolves need the gospel too. And so, Christian, when you encounter the opposition, think about it as an opportunity. Not an opportunity to get mad and hit the angry button on Facebook and to shout and cuss and fight back. No, it's not, it's not time to fight. It's time to bear witness. Because now you're face to face with your opposition. Who needs Jesus? And so, turn turn, turn that opposition into an opportunity. Let confrontation lead to kingdom conversations. Think about, not how can I get even, how can I one-up this guy. Think about how you can use this opportunity to sort of turn the enemy's momentum against him 
and use what they meant for evil for good. Be ready to bear witness boldly for Christ. God might just have you facing that opposition because he wants to set you up for a perfect opportunity to share the gospel with somebody you otherwise might not have got a chance to share it with. And this requires us to have the mind of the spirit, not the mind of the flesh. And that leads us to our last point this morning. I stink at doing the point I just told you to do. (laughs) And you do too. (laughs) No offense, right? We're being real today. We're not, we don't naturally have the things of God on our minds. We naturally like to live in the flesh. It's where we're at home. It's where we feel comfortable. It's what we're used to doing. We don't naturally just ooze the Holy Spirit like this. And that's why Jesus concludes this section with one last vital truth, one last word of comfort and assurance, verses 19 and 20. He says, when, you, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. So this, these are very challenging words. Be ready for opposition. Be ready to get whipped in a synagogue. Be ready to get arrested and punished and have to testify before a ruler. That is very intimidating. That is not easy. It is perfectly understandable to have all kinds of anxiety at that moment. And he says, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry. You don't have to think ahead of time what you're going to say when you get on the witness stand. Now, some preachers use this verse as an excuse not to prepare sermons. <laughs> Right? Don't worry about what you're going to say. It'll be given to you in the moment. Well, that's not a good idea. I don't consider you to be the wolves. Right? I'm not the sheep. In the, okay. Right? This is a verse that it is a comfort to someone who's in the middle of opposition, who is facing persecution, someone who's facing a kingdom confrontation, and they're trying to turn it into an opportunity for a kingdom conversation. And you're nervous and anxious. What am I going to say? How's it going to go? You don't have to worry about what you're going to say. Jesus says, in that moment, what you need to say, what I want you to say to that person will be given to you. That's not going to be infallible revelation from heaven so that you could write it down in the Bible. It's not going to be that kind of revelation. And it may not be well-worded and clever and perfect. It doesn't matter. What God wants to come out of your mouth in that moment is what he's going to put in your mouth at that moment. And what this tells us is the Spirit intercedes for us because not only, like we read in Romans 8, not only do we not know how to pray as we ought, we don't know how to bear witness as we ought. Now we can train, we can prepare, we can have an idea of what to say. But in the moment, the specifics, the details, anxiety can make us go blank and not know what to do or say. But in that moment, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will give you what you need to say. In verse 20, he finishes by saying, it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. That is such sweet, comforting good news. That is such wonderful assurance. We don't know how to witness as we ought. 
we can learn and plan and try to get better at it because it is a skill. But in the moment, your skill can't make a Christian, can't make a convert. Only the Holy Spirit of the living God can do that. Only the Spirit of God can make you say something that's going to be effective in that other person's heart. And that's sweet good news for us. The Spirit intercedes. And so as we use all the wisdom we can, and as we maintain all the innocence that we can, and as we prepare to be in the midst of wolves, we know that trials will come and that God wants us to turn those into opportunities to bear witness to Him. And as we go and do this, we have to trust in the Holy Spirit to do in us and for us and to others what only He can do so that we get the joy of participating in what only He can accomplish. That is a blessed assurance for us. So let us go ready, prepared, eyes wide open, ready to be on this mission, ready to face the opposition, ready to bear witness, trusting in the Holy Spirit to calm our hearts, to take away that anxiety, and to give us the words we need to speak faithfully and boldly with love and humility and see the kingdom of Jesus expand so that we get the joy and he gets the glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for these words of Jesus, and we do ask that you would do in us and for us what Jesus calls us to do here, that you would give us your Holy Spirit to comfort us in our anxiety, to prepare us to face opposition for being a Christian, spiritual opposition or opposition from other people. Lord, prepare us to understand that we are sheep in the midst of wolves, that there will be setbacks and trials and sometimes we'll suffer a defeat. Protect us from doubt. Protect us from losing heart and losing faith in those moments, remembering that you promised that your kingdom will suffer in these ways and that we will face challenges, but that you have planned for us to face those things and you've built your holy purposes into those things to put us in the place you want us to bear witness to you. Lord, help us to trust in your Holy Spirit in those moments so that we can use our wisdom, so that we can use our innocence, so that we can lean upon your word, so that we can trust in Christ who says, I will build my kingdom. Lord, do this for us, we pray, and make this church full of these kind of believers who are bold and ready to go on this mission and bear witness no matter what you send our way. Do this for us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.